Welcome to the podcast of Living Water Bible Fellowship. We are a church in Alamosa, Colorado, and here you can find our sermons and other occasional teachings. We hope and pray that this podcast encourages you in your walk with Jesus and increases your understanding of God's Word and the Gospel. Through Jesus, anyone can have new life, can have freedom, and can have ultimate salvation. Stick around to the end of this podcast to learn more about what the gospel is and how to be saved. And now, on to our teaching. Lord God Almighty, we come and uh, we thank you for letting us gather with you today. We thank you for letting us uh, state some of those truths in, in the songs we sang today to remind ourselves of, of truth, remind ourselves of life, remind ourselves of who you are. Thank you for letting us worship, and thank you for that reminder that you are sovereign, that you are in control over, our, uh, over this world and over our lives, and uh, we submit ourselves to you again. We ask, Lord, as we open your word, we ask that uh, if there's anything you want to say specifically to anybody here today, uh, do so, Lord. By the power of your spirit, by your word, speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. But we want to be your people, so please use this time, use this, uh, this, this uh, hearing of, of what you have to say, Lord. To, to bring us into the place that you want us to be, the, the, the people you want us to be, how you want us to live. We know that uh, you are the Lord, and we want to follow you in all things. So, Lord, uh, speak and lead and guide us into the life you want us to, to have. Um, to your glory, to your honor, to your praise. In Jesus' name we say, amen. Please uh, open your Bibles to the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 3, verse 7. Revelation chapter 3, verse 7. <clears throat> because I've been up so long and had so much coffee, I'm spazzy this morning. So we will, uh, I'll talk really fast until I, until I crash, and then and I'll slow down and make some application. Uh, we, we're in a world today right now where uh, it seems like Americans have a hard time believing anymore. We're in a, in, a, in a cycle, maybe the last 20, 25 years, where uh, a former high level of faith in Jesus, a for, former high level, supposedly, of, of walking with Jesus in obedience, has really, over the last uh, couple decades, really started to crash in, in, in many arenas. Now, conservative evangelical churches, uh, Bible-believing churches like ours, they've stayed fairly steady through, throughout North America, throughout our, 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 our country. Uh, we've... Uh, since our inception, since our beginning, we have been, a, in, in many ways, a Christian nation. Not, not by any means everyone was Christian. I'm not saying that. But our, our, our dominant religion, our, our faith, has been in the Lord Jesus Christ um, for a long, long time now. But it's changed a lot. It seems like Americans are having a real hard time keeping the faith in Jesus, the, the numbers, the last 20, 25 years of the percentages, and you can read statistics in various ways. I don't want to uh, project it in certain ways, but the percentages are, are really getting lower and lower. And what's happened the last 20, 25 years, you know, internet, smartphone, some of those things are, are very powerful. Uh, what, what I've noticed is uh, some of the, uh, the revolutions that have gone on, and I want to focus just a little bit on the sexual revolution that's happened. Uh, you know, starting in the early 2000s, uh, as, as we kind of wandered into all, all the politics of, of gay marriage and all the politics of uh, gender stuff and, and all the, the, the battles in our culture, uh, it seems like that's the, 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 kind of the starting point or the, or the, the, the point of departure for many Christians or so-called Christians, nominal Christians, uh, borderline Christians. Uh, it seems like when, when the... the that, all that stuff happened in our culture and, and all, all the news about that and, and uh, you know, with the internet and just the availability to call people out or, or to, to cancel people or to run people over for their beliefs and faiths. Um, it, it seems like when, when, when things started to happen and, and uh, you know, when, when you were called forth uh, as, do, do you believe in, in the, the biblical teaching? Do you believe a man and a woman in marriage? Do you believe some of the, the relationships and how sexual relationships go? It seems like there, there was a whole, a whole, a whole sounding in our culture like, hey, if you believe that stuff, you're a hater. If you believe that stuff, uh, you're, you're intolerant. If you believe that stuff, you hold to what the Bible says. Um, you must be just a terrible person, and you must be evil. 
And that whole, that whole narrative, as it, as it went on, that whole, that whole thing over the course of years, it seems like there's a whole group of people, um, again, not, not usually in conservative churches or evangelical churches, Bible-believing churches, but sometimes, that uh, a lot of people decided that before they're saying, I'm a, I'm a follower of Jesus, I believe in Jesus. But uh, after those things started happening, some people said, nope, <laughs> I'm out. I, I'd rather have my reputation. I'd rather have a status in culture as a good person. I'd rather be received and loved and accepted by my, my coworkers and my friends and family. And so when it comes down to me being accepted or, or me following Jesus, a lot of people seemingly left Jesus. And we come to the book of Revelation and... Uh, you know, we, we come to these, these letters to the, the, the seven churches, and they're all about, uh, if, if you haven't noticed, they're all about faithfulness to Jesus. Every one of them in their own way, they're speaking to a certain culture, a certain church. Every one of these letters is calling people to trust in Jesus, no matter what. To keep walking with Jesus, no matter what. To hold on to Jesus, even if the world is against you. I found it fascinating just looking at the statistics and looking at their last 20, 25 years. If people are starting to deny Jesus in the light, what's going to happen when the dark comes? Man, if, if you know, because almost nobody that I know of got persecuted in the last 20, 25 years. Almost nobody that I know, know of has uh, suffered in great ways because they followed Jesus. In our country, now around the world, it's a different story. I, I printed out this long thing about persecution in, 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 in around the world in two, 2023. You know, it has to be like 300 million Christians are at risk right now of, of not discrimination or something soft like that, but persecution, like arrest, imprisonment, torture, kidnapping, your home being taken, your life being taken, your kids being persecuted, you know, just terrible, terrible things because you're following Jesus. In our, in our culture, we... We don't approach that. Sometimes Christians get discriminated against. You know, like sometimes your, your jobs that you hold to, sometimes the corporations that you're part of, they ban proselytizing or sharing your faith. Or sometimes you don't get certain jobs because you're known as a Christian. And yeah, we, you know, sometimes you get sued because you're a baker or a photographer or something and you won't do certain things that you feel are immoral or wrong. But it's, not, it's small potatoes compared to, to, to what's happening around the world with Christians. Um, and I, I just look at it like, wow, so many people right now are, are walking away from Jesus because they want to be popular, want to be accepted, they, they, they want to be seen as good people, and they deny the Word of God. What's going to happen when real persecution comes? You know, and what about you? Are, are you, you know, maybe you've been faithful in the past, faithful walking with Jesus, obeying Jesus, living for Jesus in the past, but what about tomorrow? What about today? It can be so, so easy in today's culture, you know, jobs are hard, you know, life is hard, things are difficult. It might be easy for you, even though you've had 20, 30, 50 years of experience of walking with Jesus, being faithful to Jesus, maybe, maybe right now you're saying, well, why, why, why should I hang with Jesus? Why should I hold on to faith in Jesus? Why should I rely on Jesus? And so these letters are, are wonderful, wonderful word of God to us. To stay faithful to Jesus. And, and there's actually, in today's text, there's reasons given why you should hold on to Jesus no matter what. And so let's, uh, let's look at this text. Let's look, hear the Word of God. And maybe, maybe God's going to speak to you directly in some fashion, in some way that you maybe even weren't even expecting today. Chapter, seven, verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 7. May God bless the reading of His Holy Word. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, right? The words of the Holy One, the true one, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one opens. I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door, which no one is able to shut. I know that you have but little power. Yet you've kept my word. Have not denied my name. Behold, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews but are not, but lie. Behold, I'll make them come and bow down before your feet. And they will learn that I have loved you. Because you have kept my word about patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that's coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth. I am coming soon. 
Hold fast to what you have, so that no one may seize your crown. The one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it, and I will write on him the name of my God, the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from my God out of heaven. And my own new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Let the, those who have ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to Living Water Bible Fellowship. We have in this text, uh, it's again multi-layered. There's so many things going on here. It just blew my mind this week uh, how much is, is here. Um, and there's, there's uh, you know, as, a, as a preacher, as, a, as someone who wants to teach, there, there's so many lines that I, I'm frustrated that I'm not going to get to. But let's look at, first of all, what he commends them for. In verse 8, I know your works. Uh, some of your translations say, I know your deeds. And there's kind of a, it's not in the, this text, the ESV, but it's kind of a parenthetical statement. Uh, kind of if you put in parentheses, Behold, I have set an open door before you an open door, which no one is able to shut. That's a statement we're going to come back to. But if you take that out, it flows from, I know your works. I know that you have but little power. Okay? So the church in, in Philadelphia, the city of brotherly affection, the city of brotherly love. Um, he, he knows that the church there is small. The church is insignificant. The church has, has no uh, political authority. They, 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 they're not influential in, in the city. It's just, it's just a little itty-bitty church, maybe a house church. It's just insignificant and small. Jesus said, but he cares about them enough. He sees, he sees them, and he loves them. He moves in their midst, and he sees what's happening. I know your deeds. I know that you are not, not worldly powerful, but, man, look what it says there. You have kept my word. Man, the Lord of all, the Lord of Lord, the King of Kings, the, the, the ruler of, of eternity, he says, you've kept my word. What a compliment. What, what, a, what an awesome thing to say. And the, the, the other side of it, you have not denied my name. You know, two sides of the same coin. You've kept my word. Eric alluded to it a little bit in the, in the Lord's Supper. You know, what does it mean to keep his word? Well, it's a whole, whole gamut of things. It's, it's a whole lifestyle you know, it could be something as simple as, as he said, reading the Bible is, is praying, keep, keeping his word, keeping his commandments, right? The, the, the call to serve people, living a life of service to others, the call to worship, living a life of worship, the call to, to you know, as I said, be obedient in all, in all things, the call to, to share the gospel. Man, to keep his word is, is an incredible statement that's so rich and broad, and, uh, and, and they, are, they are doing that when they could have not kept his word. In the face of persecution, remember, all these churches are, are being attacked. All these churches are, are under threat. All these churches are not facing discrimination, you know, like sometimes we face. They're facing attack. They're facing jail. They're facing torture. They're facing uh, death. They've kept his word in the fire. They've kept his word in the testing and Jesus is, man, and, and they could have denied him so easily. Wouldn't it have been, you know, you send your kids to school and they get persecuted. You, you know, the kids growing up in that little society, they're only given certain jobs. They can't take those jobs because those are for the, the other religions, the other faiths. The Christians are kicked into the corner, put down in, in, in a way of living where they, they can't, you know, dream their dreams or whatever. They can't fly. And, and it would be so easy to, in those situations to deny Jesus. Oh, yeah, we're, we used to be Christians, but we're not now to get the job, or get the money, or get the promotion, or get acceptance. They're, they didn't do it. And Jesus says, oh, yeah. Man, you guys have kept my word. You haven't denied my name. And what, what a beautiful statement. So in the past, again, we, we're, we're suggesting that these churches maybe started 55 A.D., right around 50, 55 A.D., somewhere in there. And if this is, you know, there's different opinions on this when the book of Revelation was written. In my opinion, it's late 90s. Uh, they've been 40, 45 years of, of faithfulness. And how many of those 45 years of, of persecution did they take? What, how many generations you know, did they go through? They didn't live very long back then, so I don't know. They've been suffered. They've been under duress. They've been pushed into a corner. And Jesus sees all their faithfulness. He applauds them, and he, 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 he's, he's so proud of them in, in so many ways. And only the Lord knows, only He sees the temptations that we face every day. Only He knows what you have to go through every day to stay faithful to Jesus. 
And he smiles when you do. He's pleased when you do. But here's, here's this, this little church. You've kept my word. You've not denied my name. In verse 10, if you jump down there, uh, because you have kept my word about patient endurance. And so uh, some of your translations, it says a little bit different. You've, you've kept the teaching about my endurance. Okay, in some of your translations, it, it goes a little bit different, different way where, where the, the teaching, the doctrine about Jesus' faithfulness going to the cross. You haven't denied that. But either way, uh, if, if there was a command given to this church, uh, maybe through a prophet in the church, maybe through uh, some, one of the elders, one of the teachers there, to, God says, keep, your, keep my word uh, patiently, persevering to the end. He, when, when he says, you've done it. It's, it's, again, it's something amazing. Because, you know, in, in our day and age, people seem to quit over the littlest things. They seem to give up over the littlest things, over a little trial, a little tribulation, a little hardship. But these people are staying with Jesus no matter what. They're staying with Jesus to the death. And Jesus sees it. And, and they, could have, they could have walked away from Jesus so long ago that they haven't. And you know people, even in our town, that some of the issues that have come up the last several years, it seems like they were faithful to Jesus for a season. They were faithful to Jesus for a, a, a while on the journey, but now they're no longer in church. They're no longer walking with the brethren. They're, they're even denying Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Different cultures, different environments that we, we live in, different peoples through the ages, but right now it's easy to quit. There's a culture of quitting. There's a culture of seeking whatever is best for me or whatever I feel is good. And so we have these examples through the, le the letters of the seven churches of people persevering, staying strong with Jesus, and Jesus is commending them. Uh, but there's also a command here, and if you hear nothing else today, uh, look at verse 11. Uh, Jesus says, I am coming soon. Hold fast to what you have so that no one may seize your crown. Uh, this, uh, this is, is you've been with us uh, for the first six churches. Uh, there was three other places, four other places really, but three that, that came strongly out. In the church of Ephesus, he said, I, I'm coming soon. And remember the, the imagery of, of Jesus walking through the golden lampstands. I'm going to, you know, if you, if you still deny me, the church in Ephesus, if you stop, you know, going with me in, in the ways that he talked about there, I'm going to take away your lampstand. And so it's a negative coming, so to speak, to that church. He's going to end the church. And then in Pergamum uh, 2.16, chapter 2, verse 16, he, he talked about, I'm going to come with a sword in my mouth. As it were, I'm going to come in judgment to the church of Pergamum in their unfaithfulness. If they continue to be unfaithful, they continued the, with the false teaching uh, and then in, then in 3.3, in Sardis, uh, man, I, he's going to come like a thief. I'm, I'm coming as a thief. And so all those, those, those things are kind of negative in terms of the coming and judgment on the church for their unfaithfulness, for their, their yielding to culture, their giving up on faith in Jesus, uh, on, on true doctrine and, and, and obedience to Jesus. But here, the, pot, the, the connotation is, is positive, because this church, there, there's, no, there's, no, there's no problem in the church. They haven't denied his name. They haven't walked away from doctrine. They haven't walked away from truth. They haven't denied Jesus. Uh, and so he says, I'm coming soon. So it's, it's more like, hold on, church in Philadelphia. Hold on to me. Hold on to my teaching. Hold on to my truth. I'm coming soon. And so you can imagine that, you know, the, the people, how, how many of them were slaves or how many of them were uh, wealthy people? We don't know what the mix was in that house church, but as they get excited about the truth that Jesus is coming soon, we better hold on. We don't want to lose our crown reward. Uh, so it's very positive, but that, 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 that verb there, that that, that teaching there, hold fast. Like, take a firm grip of Jesus in, in your world today. Whatever you're going through, go back to Jesus. Hold firmly to Him. Uh, we've been through some light things in this culture. We've been through some, some things from a worldly point of view that seem heavy, but in the big picture of things, they haven't been difficult. We've stayed in America in so many ways wealthy. We've stayed in so, in so many ways safe. We've stayed in so many ways uh, positive. You know, we've hung together as communities. 
But what, what happens in the light, if people deny Jesus in the light, what happens when the darkness comes? And Jesus is saying to the church in Philadelphia, man, the, the worst could be ahead. The difficulties that, that are coming, you've got to hold on through what's happening in the near future. And so there, there's, yeah, past faithfulness. If you've walked with Jesus to this point, way to go. It, it's, it's been worth it. It's, it's going to be worth it. But don't stop today walking with Jesus. Don't stop in your faithfulness to Jesus. This is not the time to give up. This is not the time to quit. This is not the time to be appreciated by the world because of your, 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 your wisdom of, of being open-minded and pluralistic and everybody's good and everybody's perfect and everyone's happy, happy, joy, joy. Don't leave Jesus. Your faith in Jesus, your trust in Jesus. Uh, we get into this text a little bit more. And there's some reasons given. And boy, there's, there's, there's some deep analogies here. Some, there's some deep uh, metaphors and pictures, uh, allusions to the Old Testament. Look at verse 7 as we talk about reasons why you shouldn't, should not deny Jesus. Reasons why you should stay true to Jesus. Verse 7. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write... And, and there's some descriptions. In every one of these letters, we have some descriptions that are uh, particular to the church in, in, in uh, that local place. Uh, the, the Holy One writes you this, the true one. Well, what do you mean the true one? Uh, in the context, you saw early, later in the text, it talks about the false Jews, the synagogue of Satan. Uh, there's been a whole group of people in, in Philadelphia. Uh, they've been in Philadelphia for a long time. Uh, some Jewish people there that uh, have denied that Jesus is the Messiah. They've rejected Jesus as, as their Messiah, as, as their Lord, as their, the one that they were praying for and hope would come. And so there's this, 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 uh, this situation where the, the Jewish people in Philadelphia, it, it, there's, there's another church uh, in Smyrna as well, where they were being persecuted by the Jewish synagogue, not in every synagogue, not in every place, these particular, these particular uh, synagogues were against the Christians in very strong ways that hurt the Christians very bad. Uh, and the issue was, is Jesus the Messiah or not? And so Jesus comes to them, and the Holy One, the Divine One, uh, the Almighty God, who is the true Messiah, the true One, He comes, and, and what, what does He have? He has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, and shuts who no, no one will open. I really debated whether to, to go back and, and through Revelation, we've, we've learned so many times that there's been so many allusions to the Old Testament. Uh, the, the author builds in the Old Testament. He wants us to see that what was spoken there, the prophecy, the, the teaching from the Old Testament, it's being fulfilled now in Jesus. And, and so if you wouldn't mind, it's a little bit bulky, a little bit chunky, and, but you're all awake because you got someone sleep last night, so you'll all understand. It won't be a problem. So look back with, to Isaiah chapter 22 with me. Isaiah chapter 22. Uh, start in verse 15, if you would. Anybody reading through Isaiah right now? Your devotions? Yeah, there's some people reading through Isaiah. Hopefully you're in devotions and every morning, studying the Word of God, reading the Word of God, hearing, hearing from God in, in, your, in your, your own life. But Isaiah 22, verse 15, the, 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 the context is uh, the Babylonians are coming. The Babylonians are going to come to judge the Jewish nation. Uh, for their wickedness, for their idolatry, for their sin. And, and yet there's a certain group of people that are living <laughs> unrighteously still. Even the threat of the siege of Babylon at their door. And so it's, it's, it comes in the context of an oracle against Jerusalem. Uh, but let, let me read it a little bit and then I'll explain. Thus says the Lord God of hosts. In other words, the Lord of the angel armies. Come, go to this steward to Shebna who's over the household. So this is Hezekiah's household, and this is the steward, the administrator of the palace. Say to him, what have you to do here, and whom have you here, that you have cut out here a tomb for yourself? You have cut a tomb on the height and carved dwelling for yourself in the rock. It's, it's meant to be like the picture there, an ornate tomb, like uh, wealthy, uh, rich, ornate. Uh, behold, the Lord will hurl you away violently. Like, you're making a place for yourself. You're not repenting. 
but you're setting yourself up for posterity so everyone will come to your tomb, your gilded tomb, and, and maybe worship you or something like that. Instead of repenting and coming to the Lord and serving Him, it's make, you're making it all by your, about yourself. And so the imagery in verse 17, I'm, I'm going to put you, I'm going to you know, squish you into a ball and throw you away or slingshot you out. <laughs> oh, strong man, you think you're so powerful, you think you're so strong. Steward of the house of Hezekiah, there shall be a glorious, there shall be your glorious chariot, your shame of your master's house, uh, be taken away, in other words, by the Babylonians. I will thrust you from your office, and, and you will be pulled down from your station. In that day, I will call my servant Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah. Uh, so it, some of the Jewish people in, in ancient times, they saw this as a prophecy of the Messiah. I will clothe him with your robe, and I will bind your sash on him, and will commit your authority to his hand. And he shall be a father to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and the house of Judah. And I'll place on his shoulder the key of the house of David. Remember in Isaiah 9, uh, when the prophecy, the prophecy of the Messiah, the government will be on his shoulder. And so, continuing theme, I'll place on his shoulder the key of the house of David. He shall open, and none shall shut. He shall shut, and none shall open. And so the, the, and it goes on from there, and there's, there's other prophecy there. And other, uh, but the idea is that there's going to be one, this, 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 this uh, historical figure that has these Christ-like themes. These, he's going to be this, this true ruler, this righteous ruler. He's going to open up the house, uh, the palace of Hezekiah. He's going to open up the, 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 the kingdom, so to speak, in a positive way. Um, and, and, yeah, I can't say much more about that with the clock ticking. But we come back to chapter 3, and, and we see here the words of the Holy One, the True One, who has the key of David, who opens, and no one will shut, who shuts, and no one will open. And that, that, that parenthetical phrase in verse 8, Behold, I have set before you an open door, which no one is able to shut. Uh, so what's happening here? Jesus is giving reasons uh, why they should stay faithful, true to him, and not go other directions. Uh, in, the, in the culture of the day, in, this, in the setting of, of what's happening in Philadelphia, the Jewish synagogue has excommunicated the believers, the, 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 the Christian believers, the Jewish people that became Christian. They've shut the door. That happened in the 80s. Uh, in the mid-80s, uh, around the Roman Empire, the Jewish, the Jewish synagogues, the Jewish people realized that they, there was a great departure from Judaism and Christianity in, in many ways. So they said, we can't let Christians anymore. And what that, some people had the effect of what, they're shutting the door to the kingdom. They're shutting the door to God. Where do we go? You know, some of these little places where there's just very few believers, there's very few Christians, there's not uh, the apostles' teachings taught very clearly. There's, there's not a, an elder board, so to speak, a, a group of people that are teaching them. So it's, it, there's some confusion, but they've trusted in Jesus. And so Jesus is coming to them, and he's saying, hey, that prophecy, maybe you heard about it, about the palace being open, like somebody having the keys to open the door. I'm going to take it further in the context of talking about the coming of the new Jerusalem. I'm opening for you the keys. I have the key. We saw it before, the key of death in Hades, the key of death in the grave. But here, the key, the key of David, I have the door that opens up the kingdom. I have the door that opens up to you the kingdom of God. I have the door that opens up to you the new Jerusalem. Stay true to me. Stay walking with me. Don't go looking for salvation in other places. Don't go looking for salvation in the world, in the government, in financial gain by doing this or that. Stay true to me. I have the key that opens the door to eternal life, to the kingdom of God, to the new Jerusalem. And it would be, it'd been very, very important for this group of people to hear that because they had been shut out. Shut out of culture, shut out of the synagogue, shut out from society. And Jesus says, stay true to me, and eternity will open up for you in the kingdom of God with your God. Trust in me forever. Uh, and so the, one reason that, that comes in this text. But we look, we look a little bit further, just along these same lines. Um, in, in verse 9, I'll make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews but are not, but lie. Behold, I'll make them come and bow down before your feet, and they will learn that I have... Loved you. Again, another allusion to the Old Testament. The, the uh, author, you know, Jesus is drawing a lot through the Apostle John. He's drawing a lot from, 
from the, old, from the book of Isaiah. And so this is another illusion that uh, the author maybe thinks the readers would know. We have to investigate it a little bit. Isaiah 64, verse 10. Isaiah 64, verse 10. Um, is, is that what I have written down, Sean? 60, verse 14. Yeah, I've, isn't that funny? The coffee's wearing off. Uh, 60, verse, verse 14. I knew that was wrong. The sons of those who afflicted you shall come bending low to you, and all who despised you shall bow down at your feet. They shall call you the city of the Lord, Zion of the Holy One of Israel. And so when the Babylonians came, uh, when the nations came against Israel long ago, uh, the Gentiles cursed the Israelites. They, they, they put them down, and, and your dogs, you're nothing. Our God's defeated you. But God uh, promises vindication to the Israelites. One day when the Lord sets them back up, makes them the head again, not the tail, uh, the promise there to the Israelites is that uh, one day those descendants of those Gentiles who enslaved you, who killed you, who took your land, who did all those terrible things, one day they will come and they will acknowledge that the Lord has made you His people. They will acknowledge that you are His people and that He's loved you. And so it's fascinating how it turns, how the, it shifts in, in Revelation He's speaking to this small church and he's saying, all these Gentiles <laughs> and Jewish people who are coming against you, who are calling you dogs, who are calling you evil people, who have denied Jesus as the Messiah, they're going to realize that he is God's Messiah. They're going to realize that Jesus is, I am the Messiah, I am the Savior of the world. And they will come and they will bow at your feet. And they will acknowledge that I have loved you. It's this, it's this moment of, of, we can't understand it so much unless you've been persecuted. We can't understand so much unless we've gone through the fire. We can't understand so much over the years and the decades of being treated poorly, over the years and decades of suffering, over the years and decades of being treated like trash, uh, and you've stayed faithful. You haven't retaliated. You haven't taken vengeance. You haven't clapped back, you haven't, you know, if they're going to do that, an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth thing, if you haven't gone there, but you've been faithful to Jesus, it's like a moment of justice. And so Jesus is saying, there's going to come a time of justice. There's going to be a time of vindication when everyone will realize that I've loved you, that you have trusted in me as Savior and Lord. It's, 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 a, it's a wonderful moment. Keep believing because there will be a day of vindication. And I have to say, this is a teachable moment. It's not part of the text, but uh, in today's world where uh, evils are being done upon other peoples, uh, we're seeing it in all kinds of news all over the place, in all, all regions of the world. Uh, I, I saw something the other day, like uh, somebody said, the worst thing that could happen to this, this, this nation would be Christian nationalism. Kind of, and I was like, oh, man, the, the world is so insane about these kind of things. Christians... I've been taught by their Lord not to take vengeance. Christians have been taught by the creator of heaven and earth, their Lord, their Savior, that where the world takes vengeance, where we live in hate, where the world lives in hatred, we don't respond the way they do. And so the guy who said that, he, he just, he didn't realize the core of Christianity. Um, the teachings of Jesus for how we should live. And, and if you haven't heard how Jesus wants us, when you've been wrong, when you've been hated, when you've been abused, maybe it's coming. What's happening in the light is soft. What might happen in the dark, uh, if you haven't been through persecution, you haven't been uh, terrorized by people, it, it might be easy for you not to go here. But think about what could happen. It's happening some of our brothers and sisters in India right now, some of our brothers and sisters in Pakistan right now, some of our brothers and sisters in China. All, all different places around the world that are suffering so greatly. This is a, an incredible statement because it gives them reason to hope beyond their power or beyond their vengeance or, or beyond their hatred. Look at what Jesus, if you look at Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, verse 38. Matthew chapter 5, verse 38. And again, I, I don't have the time to go into this deeply, but it's just a little side lesson, a little side teaching that maybe you need to hear today about these things. 
this is from Jesus' what we call the Sermon on the Mount. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. So that the people in, in Philadelphia or Sardis or different places where they're being persecuted, that maybe they're going to get the upper hand one day and they're going to fight back or they're going to take vengeance. And Jesus says, you've heard that's the way the world lives. That was the Old Testament way, but not my way. I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. If anyone sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloaks as well. If anyone forces you to go a mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you, and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. You have heard it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Astounding stuff. World-changing stuff. What if people, what if Christians actually live by this ethic, these morals, that our love for people, people's betterment is the greater value than our, our uh, getting ahead or our, our money or our, our house or whatever. Pe loving people like Jesus loved us, if we live that way, it changed the world. Uh, right now we're seeing uh, people uh, bloodletting other people, they're, they're destroying one another's homes and, 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 and families and histories and this cycle of violence and vengeance. And, and, but we're called to let the Lord take vengeance. We're called to let the Lord bring about vindication. We're called to let the Lord take control of things. And we're not to be those people that fight the sword with the sword to kill because we've been killed. We're called to love our enemies and serve our enemies and pray for our enemies uh, and so that's why it's so important when Jesus says here, man, I'm, I'm going to make them come and bow at your feet. Like, you don't have to fight for it. You don't have to live like the world. You don't have to do worldly things in, in worldly ways, in evil ways. You can trust me that I'm going to bring about justice. I'm going to bring about vindication. Why should you trust in me? Because if you don't trust in me, you're going to go to the way of the world and you're going to try to pick up the sword. You're going to try to pick up <laughs> vengeance. And it's not going to play out well for you because live by the sword, you die by the sword. Trust me with your life again. Live according to my teachings, my ways, and you'll see what I bring about in the end. So it's a call to faith. It's a call to believe. So another reason to trust in Jesus because he's going to bring justice in the end. He's going to accomplish truth in the end. He's going to bring about righteousness in the end. You don't have to worry about it as long as you keep trusting and serving him. We have this, uh, there, there's, there's more promise here, there's more reasons. Uh, verse 10 is a famous one. Look at that with me, uh, chapter 3, verse 10, Revelation. Uh, we're going to get into this more in future sermons, because this, this is a huge topic in the book of Revelation. But look what it says, Because you have kept, because you have kept my word about patient endurance, okay, so they've, they've obeyed Jesus to stay persevering in the faith, they haven't given in, they haven't given up, they haven't become worldly. I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming upon the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth. <clears throat> so a famous verse, maybe you've heard it, maybe you haven't, I don't know. But it, it's really, a, the way it's set up is, is really, there's a word play here that we can't hear in English, but because you have kept my word, I will keep you from. O little church, a little church of Bethlehem. No, a little church of Philadelphia. Because you've kept my word, I will keep you from the hour of trial that's coming upon the whole world, upon the whole earth. It's like, whoa, what, what, what's this about? So initially, the promise, it seems like it's going to happen in their lifetime. It's going to happen, something that's going to come about for the church of Philadelphia. Uh, but then we, we, we look at this and, and some of the language here, um, the hour of trial. Uh, is that a period of time? It seems like uh, some of the translations you read, like the King James Version, the hour of temptation, uh, the hour of testing, uh, the ESV is the hour of trial. It, it's it's maybe, not, maybe not a period of time so much as an event. The way it's placed in Revelation, this event is coming. This event is coming kind of deal, and it's an hour of testing. Well, who's, who's being tested? Who's, being, who's on trial here that is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth? So the, the, the language there, the testing, the trial, is going to try those who dwell on the earth. Now, I'll give you a little insight as we read through the book of Revelation, that, that phrase, those who dwell on the earth, the earth dwellers, 
those who dwell on the earth, whenever you see that in the book of Revelation, it's always talking about the non-Christians. It's always talking about those who are outside of the church. It's always talking about those who are out of the, out of the new covenant, who aren't believers in Jesus. There's this hour of trial, this event that's going to come upon the earth dwellers, and it seems like it's a comprehensive, like all the earth dwellers, and it seems like it's a huge event, the whole world. Uh, I, I, I ran down some past this week reading this and trying to interpret it. Some, uh, some would say, well, uh, it's kind of like Luke chapter 2 when, when the census that Tiberius Caesar put out to the whole world, it was really just the Roman Empire. Some would say it's, it's more of a localized thing. It's not really the whole world. Um, but but I, I, again, the, the language in other ways is so comprehensive. I have a hard time going there. So, so what is it? What's going on here? What's, what's transpiring? What is it talking about? Because the way it's set up, you've kept your faith in me. You've patiently endured. So I'm going to keep you from what? Um, I think what's the, the hour of trial, if my interpretation of this, and again, uh, you might differ with this, and that, that, that's okay. Uh, the hour of trial is the great tribulation. It's in the context of the book of Revelation. Something massive is coming, something we're going to talk about, chapters 6 through 19, uh, that, that uh, you know, will we experience it? Will we go through it? Those, those are huge questions that we have. What you keep in the light, uh, will you keep in the dark? Is the dark coming? Some of those fascinating, deep, amazing questions are being asked right now as, as, as what's happening in Israel might be a, a harbinger, a foreshadowing of what is coming uh, we, we, we come here to this text, and it's, it's just it, this hour of trial that's coming on the whole earth. What, what does it mean? Well, if it's about the earth dwellers, the unbelievers, they're going to be tried. And the way I interpret it, the great, ten, the great tribulation is a time of God's judgment and wrath upon the world, upon the earth dwellers. Uh, so what, we're, what the promise is, is that you're going to be kept from that Wrath, you're going to be kept from that judgment. And what does that exactly mean? Well, we're going to talk about it in future sermons. But the promise is great. And so you see in the, in the picture that the flow of the text, the flow of the teaching, keep faithful to Jesus no matter what. All these reasons. And maybe the most important reason is that you will be kept from the hour of trial. You'll be kept from the judgment of God that's coming upon the world for their wickedness, against their wickedness, against their evil, against their God-hating ways. You'll be kept. You've got to keep your faith in Jesus. Keep trusting in Jesus. It's great if you've been faithful for, for so long now, but what about tomorrow? What about the coming days? Keep your faith in Jesus because you don't know what's coming. You need to keep faithful to Him no matter what. I am coming soon. Hold fast to what you have. No one may seize your crown. Why do you keep faith in Jesus? Because there's a crown. There's a crown coming. There's a reward. There's, you know, what does that even mean? The, the athletic games in, in the Greek uh, realm in, 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 that, in Turkey, they'd have these athletic games. They'd get these, this uh, Stephanos, this, this wreath, this crown, right? And it's meant to, you know, in the culture, it just meant, hey, way to go, way to go. But the crown, what, what, is, what is Jesus going to give us if we're faithful to him? When we enter the kingdom of God, what, what kind of, what does that mean, that image, that metaphor of crown? It's going to last forever. Would you give up? Would you stop now? Would you be unfaithful to Jesus now and lose that crown? Absolutely not. Jesus says, be faithful. Be faithful in the now. Because you'll get a crown that'll last for eternal life. And, and crown, I mean, all the connotations, all the, uh, the implications in the kingdom of God forever. And so, man, the, this church might be weak right now. They might be suffering. Maybe there's a greater persecution that's going to come upon them in their day. And Jesus says, keep faithful. Don't stop walking with me. Hold fast to me. And then, and then the, the major, uh, as it were, if you want to put it that way, the major promises in every text we see in the seven letters, these, these promises of reward or these promises of what's going to happen if you stay true to Jesus to the very end. Verse 12, the one who conquers. 
The one who's victorious in your faith. Maybe you've been victorious. Maybe you've been faithful for 20 years. Maybe you've been faithful through a lot of hard things. But what about tomorrow? Will you be victorious? Stay victorious. Continue to conquer in your faith the temptations that come against you. Satan's lies and attacks that come against you. The the, the people that you're hanging out with that maybe tempt you into sin or walk away from Jesus. Conquer. Overcome. Why? The one who conquers, I'll make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it, and I'll write him on the, na- the name of my God. And it goes on from there. Uh, what you have to know about the, why, why is this such a, a neat thing for, for uh, uh, Philadelphia? Philadelphia was in a, a, a place where a lot of earthquakes happened. They had a lot of history in their town of the, the town being destroyed by earthquakes. Uh, the, the, I think it was in 37 AD, they had a massive earthquake where they had to rebuild outside of the city. So in a very unstable place, not only unstable because of your spiritual state as a Christian, you're getting attacked all the time, but the walls are literally shaking. Your town is falling apart. And so Jesus says, hey, stay faithful to me. I'm going to make you a pillar, something that's steady, solid, stable, permanent, not so much to support, but pillars. Even if you go back to modern day Turkey, go to Ephesus, you can still see the pillars Right? The different places where the pillars are still standing after thousands of years. I'm going to make you permanent in the house of my God. Wow. What, what, what a promise to a people that were used to earthquakes, who had lost everything, where everything's shaken. I'm going to make you stable forever in my kingdom. If you stay true, just these few short years, just these few short months of suffering and attack and tribulation, you stay faithful to me Uh, you'll never have to leave the kingdom of God. You'll never have to leave my Father's house. I will write on him the name of my God, the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from my God in heaven, my own new name, the, the, the trifecta, so to speak. It's like an ABA pattern. Here's the Father, here's Jesus. You're going to get the Father's name. You're going to get Jesus' name. In between it, the new Jerusalem. The city of God. And again, this, not, not, a, not, a, not a worldly city, not an evil city, but the new Jerusalem, the forever city. You get that name written on you, like tattooed on you, so to speak. It means you're a citizen there forever. It's a promise. You get, and, and as we go through the book of Revelation, we'll see some sealing of people, their foreheads, the name of the beast, name of the Antichrist, the name of the false trinity, or there's people that get sealed, as it were, the name of God on them. And those who have the name of God, those who have been brought into his family, those who have been made his, last forever in the presence of God. What a promise. And the world might be saying, hey, just, uh, just come with us. You know, those, 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 those Christians, you know, they're... they're they're intolerant. Those Christians, they, they, they're not pluralistic. They're, they're, they're way too you know, exclusive. They say there's only one way to, the, to salvation, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And they're, they're, you're being called right now to deny Jesus, to leave Jesus, to walk away from Jesus. And God says, man, you hold on to me. Keep your faith in me. Safety, security, stability, permanence in my house with me forever. And there's actually at the end of Revelation, uh, Revelation 19.12, it's, it's, quite, it's quite a picture in and of itself. And once we get there, I look forward to preaching this whenever we get there. But his eyes, when Jesus comes back, in Revelation 19 is about the second coming of the king. His eyes are like the flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems, crowns. And he, is, he has a name written on him that no one knows but himself. He has a name written upon him that no one knows but himself. And here it says at the end of verse 12, I'm going, to give, I'm going to give you my new name, which apparently no one knows. It's just this, this wild kind of a thing where Jesus, we're going to be so close to Jesus, we're going to be such in relationship with Jesus that we're going to be associated with his name. And to have the name is an incredible thing in the old ways in the old days, to have the name means everything. Promises to stay true to Jesus, to keep the faith in Jesus, to keep walking with Jesus today, no matter what, 
Don't you stop walking with Jesus. Don't you stop in your faithfulness to Jesus. I don't know what the future holds. I don't know if we're just here for a little while longer. I don't know if I'm going to see my grandchildren's grandchildren. But Jesus is coming back. And these days are short. Even if you live 80 or 90 years, they're short. But the kingdom of heaven is forever. Be found in the kingdom of heaven. Be faithful to the very end, even to the point of death. And one day it will be yours. Luke, would you please come? Heavenly Father, we, we ask your blessing upon us as your people that you've saved. We ask your blessing upon us, your people, that you've won by your strong hand. We ask your blessing upon us, the people that you've purchased with your blood. We ask that you would keep us, Lord. We hear this sermon, and, and uh, Lord, I, I hope it's my, it's my intention, I hope it's everyone else's intention, that we'd be intending to walk with you no matter what. But we, we realize, Lord, that uh, you're the one who saved us by your grace, and you're the one that's going to keep us by your grace. And so we ask, Lord, that you would keep your strong hand upon us, and that you would give us everything we need to walk with you faithfully to the very end. Lord, uh, if, if there's certain fogginess in our mind about following you, if there's certain things that we're troubled with about following you, would you clear those things up? Would, would you make it crystal clear in our mind that you are the way, the truth, and the life? Would you make it crystal clear in our minds that there's no other way but you? May we, if we've been far away, if we've been uh, walking far from you or living with other gods or, or following other paths, whatever, Lord, would you bring us back today? Would you bring us back to walking with you again, faithfully and truthfully, till the day you take us home? Be blessed, Lord. Thank you for letting us gather, Lord. Thank you for making us uh, the people that overcome. Give us the grace to stay in the faith to the very end. May you get all the praise. May, may one day when that heavenly course is gathered and we're there, May you enjoy your worship, Lord, both now and forevermore. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. The gospel according to the Bible is that Jesus Christ, who was and is the eternal God, took on human flesh, was born of a virgin, died for our sins on the cross, and rose from the dead three days later. He then ascended to the Father's right hand, where he sits making intercession for his people, and right now he is establishing the kingdom of God on earth. You can enter into a saving relationship with God by repenting of your sins and placing your full trust in Jesus' life, his death and resurrection on your behalf. In Christ you will find forgiveness, acceptance, freedom, peace, hope, and a future. If you would like more information about Christianity, or Living Water Bible Fellowship, visit our website at livingwateralamosa.org. God bless.